0: This is Purple Radio On Demand.
1: Welcome to Purple on Toast, a monologue podcast from Buttertoast Theatre Company and Purple Radio. Our first piece of this episode is Statue, written and directed by Tom Murray, performed by Rory Leventhal.
0: From as early as I can remember, I was set on being statue, cast and propped up on street corners and market squares, destined for the hard life of full-body paints, photo-ups and upturned hats, destined, that's what my mother used to say, it was obvious from the beginning, my calling. In stuck in the mud, I always much preferred being caught to being free. I used to resent it bitterly whenever appeared pair duck beneath my legs to liberate me. Piss off, I'd say, or just get caught again. And I did. Well, here I am, still stuck in the mud. I've been a professional statue now for ten year. Ten year of hard work, hard as stone. Oh, copper. I've always found it more peaceful. That tranquil stasis of just standing in crowd. Utter stillness as the rest of the world hums around you. Because it's you, isn't it, when you're still, that the rest of the world hums around. It's that fixity, I guess, that attracts me most of all. The knowledge that while everything else is moving, changing from one point to next, you at least are keeping still. That constant, I suppose, is a kind of liberty in that keeping still. Liberty is a statue after all. Well, I say professional. There weren't exams, nor nothing. Most of my tray was brought from a screw fix in huntington and a smattering of second-hand stores along A14. A chopper, an old rocking chair, gallon of paint. Seal as my current tint, like statue in New York, though I like to mix things up now and then. I get up early to catch morning, rush, put on costume, lather on, paint, I use roller to reach my back. Then I head off to set myself up on pavement before crowds arrive. East corner's my spot, I don't get going till first person pops round. You've got to save your energy, there's no point putting on a show for nothing. I have the usual repertoire, people I bear some kind of resemblance to, you know, Nelson, Gladstone, Wellington, Cromwell, St George, list goes on. They look like me, or at least that's people I imagine them to look. It's a steady job. If it isn't, you can't be very good at it. The income's not too flashy, but I make do. It's a labour of love, you see. Of course, there's fierce territoriality. Statues competing for top spots. The market squares are the best. The crowd slows down there. People pause to take it in. I remember one day I made so much hat to bring out another hat. And it wasn't just loose change, neither. Oh, no. Pound coins. Though, it's not all plain stealing, being a statue artist. Even if you're bloody Admiral Nelson. There are certain limitations to keeping still. You're vulnerable, exposed to elements. That nagging itch you can't post to scratch because you do get them as a statue. People don't like to think about it, but all statues have an itch. It's just a matter of enduring the torment, like a Buddha. Of course, there are plenty of them in our trade, though I don't claim to know many. Still, it's a matter of psychology. The moment you realise you can't itch is precisely the moment you get one. Though, I do remember one time when I experimented with this new type of paint, nasty stuff, had a reaction. Red blotches all over my body when I washed it off. Had it on all day, covered in it, and I couldn't itch. I just had to soldier on. You can't compromise the illusion, you see. Then, let me tell you, there's the weather. It don't make it easy in England. In winter, I'm frozen. Stiff in summer. Burnt to a crisp, like bloody terracotta. And you've got to make sure you've got rain-resistant paint. Oh, and the pigeons. Don't get me started on bloody pigeons. You've just a birch to them. Tramping on, painted head to toe in bird shit. It gathers like snow on your shoulders and your head. And there's nothing you can do. People laugh when it happens. But I don't see what they're laughing at. I'm a statue after all. Is what statues do. It's a matter of pride for a statue artist if a pigeon shits on you during your shift. A confirmation, a successful illusion. Ah, oh, silent victory. But I do love it. Being amongst the waves, the crowd, the tide of new faces moving in and out. And when you see the smile on a surprised tourist, or the excitement alight a kid's face as they pause to take a photo and you don your at well, there's no feeling like it. I'd be moved by it if we're allowed to crack a smile. We get all sorts of families. East corner is my spot. Business has been pretty slow of late. I've been working longer hours. But the money hasn't been what it was. Close to nothing, in fact. You don't seem to get smiles no more. Someone spat in my hat the other day. I didn't say anything. I didn't chase him. I couldn't. Just stood there, still as a statue. Summer's usually when work is best. The days are longer. Oh, they feel longer. I'm not so sure that's a good thing now. Nah. They don't like my look any more. They say I'm sick. One person swiped my hat from underneath me and ran off with it. I was so angry I chased after him, chased him halfway down street till he dropped it, and the coins tumbled down drain. I scrambled to pick few remaining dregs. When I turned back to my spot. It was gone. They told me I can't work here no more. That I'm not welcome. They said they didn't believe in me. And why should they? I broke character. You can't break characters under a statue. You lose your right. I shouldn't have followed him. It was just... I didn't choose these characters. The sort of figures they like. They aren't in my repertoire but what am i to do am i to change my mode why should i my way is set i see a new statue has moved in that spot now trendier he's got a plinth new characters i don't look like them i can't why didn't someone tell me i could have changed sooner it's too late now anyway i'd be moved If I could crack a frown. I've moved to a different part of town now. Somewhere there they will appreciate me. But this new crowd, I don't know. They're not as sunny as the others. They're angrier. They aren't tourists anymore. And sometimes with the looks they give, I want to run back up to where I was before. See if they will take me back because I'm not sure I like it. And there's something in their eyes that... Some say it's a silly job, that we're idle, cheap, circus freaks, that they're better off without us, but they don't see, they need us, and when we're gone, whose hat are they going to pour their money into then? Oh yes, I'm certain of it, they need us more than we need them, and anyway, I'm not real, I'm just an illusion, a layer of paint. Just you wait, I'll be back My hat is tipped, you know where to find me I'm ready for the crowd Because it's you, isn't it, when you're still That the rest of the world hums around So don't mind me, I'm just a statue I'm not even real
1: Next is Until Break Time, written by Ryan King, directed by Dragos Farkash, and performed by Thomas McCupp. I've been there since break time, alone in Mr. Barton's office, with no other company but Mr. Barton himself, the deputy head. Occasionally, he would break the silence by telling me to concentrate if he called me daydreaming. Someone would show up every hour with assignments for me to complete. When the bell rang for lunch, the teacher said he would escort me to my class so I could pick up my lunchbox, then bring me back here to eat it. I said I didn't have one. He looked surprised. Did you forget it today? he asked, sounding not quite angry but like he was accusing me of something. No, I replied. I don't have one. He left the room and returned with a small plastic bag. From it, he took out a sandwich, crisps, a cereal bar and an apple. He gave me the sandwich and the crisps and ate the cereal bar and the apple himself. He didn't make me do any work in the afternoon. He just gave me some books to read. When the bell rang at the end of the day, I asked if I could go home. Mr Barton said I had to stay there until he spoke with my mum about something. Someone had been sent to fetch her. And when she arrived, I was asked to wait outside so she and the deputy head could speak in private. She glared at me, but also very intimidating. Please, can I just take him now? She pleaded. Whatever well, you did, I promise I'll sort it out. I've got to get home to get the dinner on. My husband wants it ready when he's home for work. It won't take long, said Mr Barton. So I waited outside, trying to figure out what was happening. What was different about today that put me in that room? Mum dropped me off as usual. Register, assembly, maths, English, all the standard stuff. At the start of break, I was on my own as usual. The other kids had to finish their snacks before playing. So I normally had to wait for them to finish. Today, Mum was in a rush to get out of the house after some shouting upstairs. So she had forgotten my breakfast. I was hungry. I went up to someone and told him to give me his crisps or i will punch him in the nose. Most of the time people would just hand things over without me needing to say anything else. But this one was being difficult. I had to hit him. He stayed on the ground for longer than most and cried louder. I was just about to open my bag of crisps when the lunch lady grabbed me and took me to the deputy's office. The door opened. And my mum stepped out. Her eyes looked wet. Are we going home now? I asked. No, replied the deputy head. You're not going to be going home for a while. This has been Purple on Toast. Tune in next week for two more original monologues. Thank you for listening.
0: Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.